Welcome to the Fierce Joy Podcast. I'm Anastasia, a holistic health coach, yoga instructor, entrepreneur, and a mother to far too many children. Life is too short to feel overwhelmed by too many things and too many people pulling you in too many directions. This is a space to have honest conversations with women and about life so that you can lead with strength, freedom, and joy and go out into the world and do all the amazing things that you're here to do without losing your mind. Oh, and have some friggin' fun along the way. This is it. This is your life. Hello and welcome. Today I am very excited to have as my guest Don Hilarczyk, who is the head of global sales for Noble Panacea, a luxury skincare company. And she has her own consulting company, DH Global Growth and Brand Development. Along with her extensive beauty career, Dawn has created and launched a niche specialty food company called Andy Grace in 2019, which focuses on authenticity, education, and advocacy around food and food allergies. And she also has a nonprofit that she is very passionate about called Thoughtful Threads of the Heart. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yay. So you, I mean, I feel like we should start with what you're passionate about, which you just threw at me right before we got on. So why not dive right in? But you, on top of <laughs> having your career and, yep. uh, you know, a consulting company and starting your own company, uh, you also have this nonprofit called Thoughtful Threads. So can you tell us why you're doing this thing on top of all the other things? <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I've been in beauty for so long, which is rewarding and also sometimes can be perceived as superficial, but in the back of my mind, I always did it for the greater good. And so actually thoughtful because of the heart came out of not my own invention or idea. My husband's a school teacher. He came to me one day and said, do our children have clothes? I have a student that's wearing the same thing over and over again and stopped going to school. So guidance came to him and said, this child has had a death in the family and someone incarcerated. Can we give your children have clothes? So when I looked in my son's closet, who was 16 at the time, and I saw the amount of clothes with tags, I was actually slightly embarrassed and mortified by the amount of of, uh, new clothes going to waste. So within that conversation, we gave the children his clothes. My husband came back and said to me, he has been wearing my son's sweatshirt and his school grades have gotten better. He's actually in a different uh, space right now and he seems more excited to be at school. So through research and um, asking others, I found that actually not having clothes to wear to school or uh, unfortunately wearing clothes that are maybe dirty or or damaged um, actually can cause bullying. And it's the third highest dropout rate excuse amongst middle school and high school students. So that is where Thoughtful Says the Heart came. And what I do is I basically collect clothes that are brand new or slightly worn from organizations and mostly very good friends and family within my town of Nazareth. They have been incredibly supportive. And I go and I set up shops and I set up really good retail stores on coat racks and and children come from all over um, that are underprivileged and they come and they shop for free and they wear Adidas and Under Armour and Puma and Gap and all the cool kids clothes. I'm probably dating myself by saying titles, but <laughs> uh, um, there's nothing more rewarding than a child walking away with an Under Armour sweatshirt that my child might have five of that he may never have in his whole life. And it's really, really rewarding. So 
Well, try not I, to cry. Yeah, no joke. And I love that you you say that you set up a shop, right? Because you don't just give someone something that you think you want. You empower a middle schooler or high school who is learning this identity. And so when you say beauty is superficial, well, sure, my red lipstick is superficial, but I also didn't sleep last night. I wasn't feeling very ready to show up to work today. And so it might be superficial, but it also changed how I showed up in my day and took on my day. So does it matter? No. But does it matter for me? Yes. It changed it. And so for a middle school and high schooler to give them choice and the power to how do they want to express themselves and show up and just take that physical expression of what they're wearing as a barrier to their education, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, I know. I love that you identified that because it is definitely the uh, controversial view that, oh, what does it matter what they wear? It's about education. Or to your point, does it matter that you have red lipstick on? Yes, it does. Actually, it drives self-esteem. It eliminates how you feel in some days of how you show up for yourself. So whether it's a gorgeous red lipstick, which by the way, yours is very nice. Thank you. Or, you know, a great sweatshirt you feel comfortable in or something that fits your body appropriately, that is a game changer for our emotional state. And so I think Thoughtful Threats of the Heart is not, is not just a really nice brand new sweatshirt. Well, and I think from a person of privilege or a perspective of privilege, I have, I've never had to worry about having clothes or having someone perceive me in a certain way because of my clothes. You know, yeah, maybe my mom wouldn't buy me the wanton jeans I really wanted and it was awful and the worst, worst thing that ever happened to me, but really, I mean, not really, but you know, that is something where if you're wearing the same thing every day or especially in middle school, like you just think of that self that you are, everything is so uncomfortable and awkward and everybody's staring at you anyway. You don't want your clothes to be that thing that holds you back. Yeah. How how long have you had your nonprofit? It's been, it'll be, actually, we just had our four-year anniversary. You know, I forget <gasps> the pandemic because we lost a year. Unfortunately, we were closed and Schools are struggling, um, but we are ramping up because I think the September will be a big time for us, knowing that parents um, in my communities may be, have lost a job or lost income. I don't want them to have to worry about what do I have to get my son for school the next, uh, the next week when school starts. I rather them worry about lunches and getting to school. So um, we're ramping up, but it's been four years. So it's exciting and it's still very new. <laughs> um, it's new to me. Yeah, well, and congratulations. I I would love to know how it has, um, you told us how it started and now here we are four years later, but how has that journey been? Because I think so often women are just so amazing with how um, they connect to their communities and how they really want to be agents of change, but they can be busy in their lives and you have a whole slew of children and a job. So I would love to know how this nonprofit has evolved from this great idea to where it is today, because I think it's so helpful to hear you just stepped, right? Like you're, you're a regular person and you created this thing and are creating change. Yeah. Um, It definitely hasn't been easy. I think that when I originally started it, everyone thought, oh, it's just something she's just going to do knowing Dawn, she just has to start something. (laughs) I really really do. And I think that um, people still don't take it seriously. I think I haven't done a really good job. I think because I am very busy and I have children and I have a career that pays the bills and there's so much more I want to do. 
and I'm still kind of by myself. I have one or two people helping me, but I, I think I'm always looking for ideas. And what's really been impactful are people that I know that I didn't know knew about nonprofit or knew about grant writing or knew about, you know, using social media. Facebook has been the most incredible thing that's happened to my organization because I will do a drive and people will come out of the woodworks and say, I have new clothes. Now I'll be fully transparent. I get some nasty donations. Uh, I get some things that no one would want to wear or it should be in the trash. So there's kind of a balance and I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't have all the answers yet. Um, I rely on a lot of donors uh, and sorters to help me go through the stuff. And, you know, we're, I'm pretty strict about what we take, but I have a lot of work to do. It's not, it's not uh, financially secure. Uh, I self-funded hundred percent. And I can tell you, my children probably wish it didn't exist because I hate <laughs> having to help me sort clothes. hates <laughs> all the bags of garbage garbage as he calls it but not really garbage it's really donations but we don't know until we sort through it that is piled up in our garage so uh, <laughs> as it seems I'll be honest with you I love that though too though right because I think introductions and social media right and Facebook makes it look very clean and what I love about real women no matter how fantastic is they're like man it's hard yeah, it's messy. Hard. There's bags of stuff in the garage. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just figuring it out. And so that's, I love the beauty in that. It's like, you're not going to have it figured out. It's not all going to come together. It's hard. You just kind of go for it and then throw shit together and see what happens. And then you have this great experience and you are able to connect to one child and then you're fueled again to do it like the craziness all over again. <laughs> No, you nailed it on the head. Like we helped a family right before the pandemic. It was around Christmas and the mother was, you know, crying and said that this changed how Christmas will be perceived with her family, what she could afford. And the news was there and I thought, okay, I can survive one more month. Like I can do this and I can cut back on our expenses so I can pay for this. Um, but the pandemic's been quite interesting. So I've had a little bit of a break. So I feel a little bit more recharged now. This was a year ago. I might be like, oh, <laughs> no. So I appreciate. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been an interesting ride, to be honest. Well, and and frankly, that is life, right? There is no um, balance of perfection that we ever truly like. If if your children are doing really well, then your marriage is in the oh god, what the hell are we doing? Or like your nonprofit is cruising, then your career is like wait, what am I doing there? Like, there's always these waves of life. I feel like yeah. that if you're willing to be brave enough to go for all these things, which obviously I don't even know you very well, but obviously like you have all these interests and passions and a big heart. And then you got to learn how to ride the waves of life, man, because they're going to just keep coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you're just as busy. It's just, it's a, uh, you learn as you go. And I always just hope that other people will give me advice and help me. A good glass of wine sometimes gets me through the day. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I, I, I do think it's so amazing. Um, I've had just phenomenal conversations, mostly with women that I've reached out to starting a business and all those things. And so when you're interested in doing things like that, most people are so generous with their time and insight and resources about like, okay, I've started this nonprofit. Here's what I've learned. I'm happy to talk to you. And so reaching out to those connections and seeing what they have to offer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I love, so I have to read this little intro from your website. So you just in your free time started, uh, Andy Grace, which is a food company. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I have three children and we live on the soccer field, the gymnastics field. And I have a, a great friend, uh, through this, that is my business partner now. And we honestly, full transparency, we were sitting there one day, we're like, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? What have you been up to? And he's an incredible entrepreneur. And I was like, listen, I'm really into startups. I've been running startups for the last couple of years and I'm really interested in CBD. And he's like, no way, so am I. So I was like, listen, I working with manufacturers, like I know the CBD realm, this is three years ago. He's like, let's do it. So actually Andy Grace is supposed to be CBD and we really quickly pivoted and said, you know, is that the right angle? Like that's what we're passionate about, what's really going on and why. And we start talking and like his daughter has a lot of food allergies. My daughter has food allergies. My husband has allergies. And we were talking and complaining about the space and how it's really hard to find food that's gluten-free or dairy-free or vegan. Um, even though vegan's a lifestyle, I know, but it's still part of the, the allergy kind of that space. And there was Andy Grace. And so he's a really great tech guy. He's brilliant on the back end. And I'm, my strength is marketing sales and strategy. And we created Andy Grace. My daughter's Andy, his daughter's middle name's Grace. And, uh, we've definitely been fighting through the pandemic. I can be honest with you. We launched it in January of 2020. <laughs> Yeah, we, we realized that uh, Amazon and Walmart are really strong partners when it comes to taking food POs from the little guys. Yeah, and so, you know, in April of 2020, you couldn't get a gluten-free box of pasta to save your life. And when you have a food allergy, it's a life-saving issue. Like, you have a peanut allergy and you can't get almond butter, it's critical. Or you can't get the food you need, this is like a life, life, life or death issue. And so we went through the struggles. We learned a lot about the space. Um, and so we're quickly pivoting and it's not perfect. We, we were supposed to have a call today. We're actually pivoting Andy Grace a little bit differently to help the consumer. And we're learning as we go. Food is a definitely a hard space. He comes from cigars. I come from beauty. Um, and we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know if it's going to be successful just to be transparent. Uh, he doesn't fail. I don't fail. So we're hoping that two of those things can make it successful, but um, it's a really important space for education and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we're, we're still every day figuring that one out. Well, and I, I, uh, I guess as I talked to more when I was starting my business, um, was voracious about talking to other women in business. And um, that seems, to, I think it was just so refreshing to hear because you look at other people and you're like, well, they have their shit together. They know everything. <laughs> They've never struggled or business has never been yeah. hard. And, and that's such a facade. And so, yeah. um, I think as business owners or entrepreneurs, you always have to have this passion but then be willing to listen and learn and pivot has been the overused word of the year, but it's so true yeah. because you can't hold so tightly to an idea if it's not working or if it's not what people need. Uh, yeah. You have to be willing to adjust and adapt and constantly shift around. Yeah. And if you don't, you're out. <laughs> yeah. And I think for mothers, like we have been raised that we cannot fail. Right. So we, parent our children like we have to be perfect the world tells us we have to be perfect 
we put on concealer and bronzer and a great red lipstick and we say we look good today right and um when you're a businesswoman you you have that in you like this is my fourth child andy grace and i will not let it fail but I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a business partner that's like, this is not working. Rip off the Band-Aid. Let's pivot to your point. And, and so between my passion and fighting and, and, his, and his really like optimism, but open clarity to it, we will find something and we'll come out on the top. But, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I wonder like being the mom that's saying, I, I got to do this right. I got to do this right. Like, how can I, you know, make sure I'm doing this perfect? Um, talking to women in business has helped. I mean, what you're doing is, isn't incredible. And we need more of this so that we can learn what's really not working versus seeing kind of fake book and what, what it looks like it's working on the outside. So I, I'm really grateful for you and what you're doing too. Thank you. And I, I, I do, I just agree that it's just so important to have these conversations um, because there is this very interesting standard for women and, and mothers and um, I, you know, especially as I've done a lot of interviews with my coaching clients too, that, you know, we have our elevator pitch, which sounds good and super feminist and like um, what we tell our daughters. And mm-hmm. then there's the bullshit we actually believe in the back of our head. <laughs> and it is, you know, pervasive and it runs deep. And I think perfection is a great word because so many women are extremely talented, extremely um motivated and driven and passionate and they are here to change the world and do great things in their own way and yet it comes with this dark side of it has to come at your own cost of yourself almost but then you can't mention it you also you have to look good while you do it but don't look too good mm-hmm. like don't be too in shape or don't be too perfect because then that means you're far too vain so you're supposed to like ex- exist somewhere where you take up just enough space to care for everyone, put in the effort, but don't mention the effort. And it's like this bizarre mix of what, wait, what, what are, what are are all these things I'm supposed to be? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I had someone a while back, I went through a, a life coach and she had said to me, you need to identify the gremlins in your head. Mm. She's like, and I thought, Okay, so obviously I'm I'm a product of the 80s and 70s because if you've seen the movie Gremlins, yeah. you know, <laughs> like what's Gremlins? Um, and I was like, that's a game changer for me. Like, wow, I'm maybe my own worst enemy. But how do you say it out loud? That's the hard part. Well, and and I think awareness, right? That first step is just even noticing it because so often we. Um, or when I'm working with coaching clients, they'll say things like, well, I'm just not very motivated or patient or driven or um, like these kind of cover uh, ex- excuses almost. And then you go down and it's like, well, actually, they are the most motivated and driven and passionate. They, But they have these voices that say, I'm not good enough. I'm not yeah. broken. Your body takes up too much space. You're too much. You're not enough. You're too stretched. You're too tall. You're yeah. too big. You're like all those, like the, like the gremlin voices that are yeah. actually driving the ship. Well, those are pretty powerful if you don't even know they're there behind the scenes. Yeah, no, it's a good point. So this will be personal then, which you can answer or not, but what are, most people have a couple of those voices that come up a lot and are yeah. the same. So what were your gremlin voices that were kind of on loop? Um, I, 
Okay. So I tell myself that I'm very fortunate. I've had great mentors along the way. I am one of those people that believes that the doors open, opportunity knocks, walk through. You can always walk back out, um, which makes it difficult for people to work with me or work underneath me. Cause I really feel like jump off the ledge. You'll figure out how to fly baby bird syndrome. But the gremlin is that I tell myself I'm not smart enough. So I always say, if I just knew, you know, um, merger of, of private equity, or if I just knew how to do um, phase one of fundraising, if I just knew how to code or do an H, you know, a back of the encoding on the operation of Andy Grace website, like then I would be better for this. I would be better valued or, but then I tell myself at the same time, if I was the smartest person in the room or on my team, that's a really bad place to be. So I've been spending a lot of time in the last five years saying, listen, if I hire smarter people, I'm a better person for it. If I surround myself with smarter people, I'm better for it. And I don't have to know everything, but I definitely make my life difficult and my family's life difficult and my friend's life difficult because I have this gremlin that says I'm not smart enough. So therefore I feel like I always have to prove that I'm smart enough. And that could be a little annoying. <laughs> and exhausting for you too, to yeah. always be. Yeah. That's the biggest gremlin. I think that one. And then, you know, I'm in a, a space that's, you know, I don't know if we can talk about political opinions, but I'm in a space that is 90% women and ran, ran, 80% ran by men. So at a certain level of where I want to be in my career, a CEO or founder, I always hit the, the gender issue. Um, I'm very fortunate that the last couple companies I've worked for female CEOs and not that a male CEO has ever not given me brilliant guidance because they have, but I want to be at that level. So I've learned to surround myself with that as well. Um, and sometimes I tell myself like, Mm, you can't be a CEO because, you know, I don't know if you're, if you're, you're in the men's group or, or whatever it is. So um, definitely something that's that that's the second one. And the third one lately, I think I have to, I've noticed, I've been saying to myself is, am I innovative enough? So I'm, you know, we're in a space, I mean, you're doing a podcast, like brilliant, right? Like that is so brilliant. It's so edgy, you know, at what point do I keep myself relevant? So I'm always, that goes back to the smart thing. Actually, ooh, very smart. You just got me on something. So that goes back to, I know enough. So I'm always trying to keep myself up to date on what's innovative so I can be relevant as I age. Well, and A, first of all, thank you for sharing that and being willing to be vulnerable because that's, we all have this, right? But we just don't say it out loud. And B, you just said that I got you, like you've got you. You, like, you know you, you just, you, when you start to give yourself space and freedom to explore that, like you instantly had that awareness. And I think these things do change as we age and you and I are different ages, but it's like so funny to, to have that say, you know, you think you're so alone and unique and then you ask people questions and you're like, oh my gosh, we're so not that different, you know, like yeah. it's so funny, like the innovation thing of, yeah, it's hard. And too, when the world is constantly changing and now we're just so inundated with it all, we are in it every day and all the time on social media and all these different things. So it looks so, it's so new and fresh all the time that the minute you're like, I got this, I figured this one out. And then there's 15 more things where it's like, wait. <laughs> 
I just figured it out. But like you said, I love that too of you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have a good team where someone else can be their great self and you bring what you bring to the table. You don't need to be great at everything. You need to be good at you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think I love too that you said like, I want to be in the leadership position because I think that is something that more and more women are doing, but also not like I've noticed recently people will say like, you know, you're really good at your job. And I'm going, I go, yeah, I know I am. I'm really good. And I love it. And people kind of go, oh, (laughs) and that's it. It's not even the point of the conversation, but it's so fascinating as you claim your, like I, I am, I am really good at my job and I love it. Um, when you stand in your strength, how it catches people off guard. No, thank you. I appreciate that. I, that is actually one of my traits. Uh, when they ask, you know, tell us what you're good at. I, I am a good leader. Um, I've had good leaders. I've also had terrible leaders and it goes back to kind of my mission or my move, my philanthropy, but my goal is to empower other women to be the best, best of themselves. I really do feel everyone can be a leader. I think it's, it's a learned behavior if you have a good mentor and I want people to know it's not hard. It's just a matter of having someone to mentor you. And I, I, leadership is not easy. And sometimes it makes a difficult conversation, but I, I, if my team or anybody that works for me gets promoted, does better as a better part of themselves, I don't need recognition for that publicly or personally that right there drives me like that. It's like a coach seeing the child that you've been working on, you know, kicking the soccer ball and they get the goal. Like that drives me is leadership. And um, I try to do it with my family. I try to do it with my, I try to lead my husband. <laughs> Maybe not the same thing. <laughs> we might have a different conversation, but uh, no, I, I think it's powerful. I wish more women like yourselves said, Hey, I am a good leader. Or I am good at my job. Um, I, I, I hope that for all of us. So I'm hoping this, you know, what you're doing too, will inspire women to say, I'm good at this. And everyone should know that. And I, I would be curious for you, um, did you have this innate ability to see yourself as a leader and say out loud, like, I want to be CEO and in this leadership position? Um, and did you like, did you have that mentor or was that just something innately that you kind of had that drive? I always was born with drive. Um, if you look back at my resume, I had crazy jobs like zookeeper. <laughs> was an FFA, you know, I raised steer, like, um, Wait, what, what is FFA? Future Farmers of America. <laughs> hey, I was a livestock judge. I got a little, I have a quarter jacket. Um, I always, uh, had drive a hundred percent. I had drive. Um, I think the leadership thing, I don't know. I just remember very early in my career, I interviewed with a CEO of an incredibly brilliant skincare company. She was the first female CEO of an all male company and a legacy company. And when I interviewed with the person, her, her senior vice president, they said, what do you see yourself in five years? And she's, I said to the person as a junior position, I said, I will be Heidi at the time. I will be a CEO like Heidi one day. Actually, I want to be in Heidi's position. And I think the person was kind of taken back and was like, that's a little almost like rude or arrogant. Um, and I always thought 
I can do this. So I always try to learn. Um, I don't know if that's drive though, or just having good support that along the way encourages you to say that. I don't know. Well, and probably both, right? It probably is your innate personality. And then you were also fortunate enough to have people in your life who encouraged that um, along the way. Have you noticed that shifting over the last chunk of time where you started in your business career to where it is now? With more of the gender, I guess, like have you, how you said, no, I want this, I want to be in that position and those attitudes. I think that, um, I think it's a global issue. And so we break it down and I hate to talk globally, but I'm a, I'm in a global business. So it definitely is very global based. So in the U S I personally feel in my opinion, in the last 10 years, we've come a long way. Um, and I'm in a very dominant industry of women, clients, and, and employees, by the way. Beauty employees more women than majority of industries, and yet still a lot are ran by men. In the Which US, is so fascinating. How does that happen it, that they oh, are it's, it's crazy. Like up until this point, the entire yeah. company, and then that what last 10% or 20%, then where do they go? Five percent. Five. Exactly. No like, way. Like five percent, like you'll go through your whole thing and you every like level, level of big company. And all of a sudden the executive board, which are all the presidents or, or CEOs or COOs, COMOs, CEO, you know, all the different titles, right? They're all men. And how, um, how does that happen? Like, where do they all go? It's a game changer. And there's very good organizations like CEW, which is um, an organization founded for women, but not men and women are invited now. But in the US, we've done a good job. I think in my industry in general, we've done a good job. When you get into other parts, into Europe, and then you get into Asia, it literally is very slow. We're way, way behind. Um, I think social media has brought up the good, bad, and the ugly in this issue. Uh, we have a lot more, more to go in tech. You know, it, in tech, it struggles. I'm in food as well. Obviously, as you know, I have food company, and my distributors are very. Are my my companies I buy, um, my brands are very big brands, and all men, you know, and I, I don't think that it's, I, I don't think it's actually the men's fault. I think it's a combination of our society that majority of women maybe stayed home or chose not to, or did different jobs or whatever, or there's a stigma. Like if you're a female, you should do this job. And if you're a male, do that. So there's all these things. It is, I don't blame the gender specifically. I just blame the society and how we change it. I think we're getting better in the U S um, it's really, really tough in Asia and in Europe, it's tough still. So um, well, I'm hoping by my daughter's age, it'll, I'm hoping by my daughter's age, it'll be different. I'm hoping it'll be dra- dramatically different. And I don't think the point is to blame one thing or one person. Um, I think the point is more, there's so many things that start you leaning in one direction. And I think about just really simple things about maternity and paternity leave. And then if topic. you're in a, in a leadership position and do people encourage you or not. Or I remember going into um, my company, which is a larger company, and I had met and exceeded all the measurable standards for my first performance review. And then they gave me a raise that was um, like the lowest amount. And I went back and scheduled a meeting and it was like my first big girl grown up job. So I like practiced in the mirror and practiced with my dad and you know, like I put in the work, brought in the numbers and then was told, well, just because you complain every year doesn't mean that you'll be able to get a raise. 
And I didn't have the words at the time, but I even just like little experiences like that. So how much more likely if I had stayed with the company, would I have been to bring that issue up or would I take a step back and then just go, well, I'll just quietly do my job. And I've noticed with so many women that they tend to do a job and a freaking half, if not more, and then they don't ask for compensation. They don't ask for what they want or need. I mean, it just... With coaching, I'll listen to stuff and I just have to tr- like keep it in where you're just like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah. No, it, that part of the conversation is still going on. Um, and in the last, uh, until I came into this role that I'm in now, which is actually, the company is incredible. The company culture is amazing. That's why I'm here. Um, but before that, up until you can look at my LinkedIn profile, that was a huge challenge. So I had coaches like yourself that would say, you go in and you identify your self-worth, look at your resume, look what you've done. And yet still I would be denied. Uh, and, and it was writing on the wall, like same KPIs, way above the KPIs, time inserted, all the experience, education, whatever. Was re- I've always been recruited to companies. I've never had to interview. I've been very fortunate for that I've been recruited so well and um, let's let's catch you on that word fortunate right were you fortunate were you lucky or did you work your ass off and were good at your job and people recognized you for your KPI measure all that stuff um yes you're lucky right like we're both white women in a world of like we're both reasonably attractive so people look at us and they find us pleasing the way that our cells happen to fall together sure that's lucky the rest of it was work you put in. So I find that really like, this is the part on con- like that catches me. Cause you're like, that's also bullshit. You yeah, were lucky and I'm good at recruiting and networking. So actually I did create those, those relationships that allowed me to be recruited, but right. Uh, yeah. The, the pay thing is, is a tough one still. I don't think, uh, I think we're more behind on that. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, I find it, I've, I'm very grateful because I think a lot more women are open to having um, conversations about money because I think we need to, to go, uh, you know, like, don't tell us how much you earn on this conversation. But if I were to reach out to someone else, like I've looked into speaking engagements and I appreciate that women are willing to share that because if we don't, then I don't even know how much to ask for or what's reasonable. And if um, male counterparts aren't willing to also share that, right? Like there's no way we can level out this playing field. But I was thinking as you were saying too, it is amazing to me still how that bad stereotype of like, well, now you're being a little dramatic or now you're being emotional or now you're being, so in some of those things. Sometimes I've been called the B word, please. I actually, in the last 10 years, I've been called the B word to equal to a counterpart, same level as me that's been called. He's just so tough. He's so busy and he's innovative. And I'm like, same conversation, same tone, same reason. And uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting room to be filled in with because and it's, it's not like it's not interesting. It's like it's not OK. And it's no, these are no. conversations that men have an equal responsibility to show up and participate because they'll be innovated and not bitchy like you. Uh, I mean, we have to facilitate it as well. But I think this is that. It's amazing to me on one hand to hear that this still happens and yet it totally, it does. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, I, think I, I try to surround myself with really strong um, leaders uh, that are gentlemen that 
really do want to push you to your greater good, no matter what. Um, that has been my experience in the last three years. And I think I'm in a different space because of it. Um, it allowed me to do the things I'm doing personally. And as you can see, the, the additional things in the boards I'm sitting on, uh, because I, I don't, I had good support with that too. And, and I've also given good support to them. I think it's a two-way street. Um, you give what you get and back and forth. And so uh, I try to surround myself with that. And if not, and you're in a tough, comfortable conversation, I'm, I don't have, I'll just say how I feel at this point. I can't sugarcoat anymore. I think honesty is the best policy. And you, when you put something out there and you're honest about what you need or how you feel, you leave it up to that person to react to it, right? And so that's on them, their reaction versus me trying to make sure that it's okay for them, you know? Has that ever bitten you in the butt? Yeah, I lost my job. Yeah, I mean, I was at an organization I thought was incredibly brilliant, um, a really good experience actually. So from a growth opportunity, and I, there were things happening that I just could not ethically agree with and it was affecting my team and things were happening very quickly and there was a lot of non-transparency conversations happening and I just couldn't let it go. And I was basically, um, they restructured me out and I learned a lot from that experience and uh, I'm stronger for it, but um you know, I would never want that to happen. And I, I, and honestly, like my eyes are wide open. I'm like, okay, I know exactly what you're onto now. You, you can't even pretend to sugarcoat why you did this, but from that experience, I will never do that to someone. So it, and in actuality, it gave me even more strength as a leader because I would, I will never do those things to anybody and I will continue to be the character I am. And if it requires me to lose my job over it, then I lose my job because I, I just won't, I will not allow people. And it wasn't me being treated wrong. It was other people not being treated well. And ethically, I just can't, I can't tolerate it. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a painful um, experience, but uh, I'm proud I did it. I really yeah, am. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't change anything. I would never change the way I behaved ever for that experience. Was that something that it took you some time to get to that place where oh. you needed to speak up because okay. I think that's important to recognize too that it's not like you walked in one day I'm guessing and we're just like I have an announcement to make <laughs> I am taking a stand for my team and humanity and I have the perfect thing to say I'm guessing that's not what happened no I mean I always I always walk in any situation even if I'm the most experienced on the team trying to understand the experience and learn for everyone and understand the culture and what's happening and the objectives, the strategy, and like the key players, what makes people tick, what makes people successful, how can I support them, what support do I need? So that took me a couple months, but very quickly within the first several months, I started realizing something's not right here. And then in hindsight, you know, things things just work out that way. So, you know, I left and I have a great career and I and have a great family and all these other projects I'm working on and support. And that manifest destiny of what's been going on is still going on. So um, I didn't need validation, but it definitely was validation. And, you know, when it happened, you know, I went to bed, I was upset, had a glass of wine, called my friends. And then about two weeks later, I got up and I was like, okay, you need to get yourself together. Start going to the gym. You need a hobby. I started Thoughtful Threads of the Heart. 
I started working on, on Andy Grace. Your hobby it. was a nonprofit in a company. Yeah, I, I had to do something, right? I had to help other people, like what I was feeling. I had to do something innovative. I started DH Global Growth. But on top of that, I, I was like, okay, I'm calling my network. I'm telling them what happened. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out something else. Um, and it's only be, I, I think a lot of it too is my personality, but I also have three children and a husband. And I have a lifestyle that I built, my husband and I, that I can't sacrifice just because I'm feeling bad for myself. So I put my pity and sorrow and kind of embarrassment, to be honest, because it's a small industry and people knew, into my work. And that that thoughtful threads, the giving that that fueled me helps me heal the sadness I felt from losing that job. When I love a couple of things you said there about um a, sometimes when we're stuck, instead of getting so caught up in yourself, reaching out and helping someone else can really be that lifeline of, you didn't solve all your problems and create this organization instantly, but but often it's, um, what can I do for someone else? Like, stop thinking about myself so much. What can I do for someone, <laughs> someone else? Um, and then also I love that you acknowledged and recognized the embarrassment because I'm sure there was grief, there was loss, there was pain, there's a lot of real things. And then there's that real part of like, I can't believe I got let like restructured. Yeah. I've never talked about this publicly before. Um, so you're the first, I, I mean, it's a small industry and people know, and people know me. Um, and for a while, I like kind of kept it a secret. Like, I don't want to. I don't want people to know this happened to me, or I don't want to burn bridges with this, you know, this couple of executives within the organization or the organization or the perception of my job in that organization. And then I thought recently, I thought, I don't care. I, I will, I don't care. I'm only telling about my experience. I'm not talking about a company itself or a brand or a particular person. And, um, I think if I shared my story, more people would be like, that happened to me too. And, and I looked back and thought I was feeling bad about myself and I realized it wasn't about me. And so what happened to me was not about me. It was about them. And, um, and now I just learned I won't do that to someone else. I mean, I always did, hoped I would never, but it's politics when you're in business, right? And when you have shareholders and boards and things like that, there's some politics involved, but I learned I won't, I won't do that to someone else. Well, and I think that's, where we come back to this empowerment thing of it's not just you we're talking about. It's the next person in the office that's looking yeah. at you with these big eyes going, I want to be you someday. And the message that you want to teach them is, you know, keep it contained. We don't want to burn bridges. Um, and then the other side of that is, do I really want to have that connection or that bridge? No, I don't want you to explode it and put it into flames unless it, <laughs> it needs to be like there are some bridges that should be freaking bombed but <laughs> these are figurative bridges please no one bomb anything but um sometimes it's interesting I find when I'm like oh I don't want to ruin that connection or da 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 and you're like I don't want to be connected with you you are not something or someone that I um trust I I can't think of the word right now, but uh, respect, right? Like, I don't want to perpetuate these types of companies and things like that. I mean, so off topic, but on topic, we um, belong to CrossFit and there were some gender things that came up and my husband and I had some big conversations where he was saying, I just don't know how that's applicable to our local gym. And I was saying, 
you know, if the head of a company is saying these things that if that ever happened to me or a friend or my daughter, I don't feel super comfortable giving my money to this type of company. And so I think our decisions and choices, not that we need to analyze every one of them, but they do have power from what we buy to where we go to who we work with. And and not even for you, you, they have power, but for the generation that you're teaching or raising that they might look back and go, oh my gosh, I remember my mom and dad having this conversation very similar could be something totally different product or whatever and my mom did this and my dad and i want to do that like so we don't know our impact right and yeah, so or down who's the road listening or who you're going to have wine with with a friend who yeah. you tell your bit of your story i always think it's amazing um when i share something about like oh yeah yeah when i was with my therapist blah 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 or like my child was in play therapy every single time that's not even the point of the conversation but every time i mention it someone reaches out and is like you know, I've been really thinking it's time that I need to work on this thing and I think I'm going to go do it. And you're like, all I, I just said what I did on Tuesday or like your kids in play therapy. And you're like, yeah, it's been a hard year. I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I really want to look into that. And you're like, great. So when we make these choices and share them that it was hard and I was embarrassed and it was a little uncomfortable and I felt bad for myself and then I got up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've been going through in the last two years, this toxic, toxicity relationship um, with myself on removing toxic relationship professionally and personally. And you just said it perfectly. Like I look back and I'm like, okay, the CrossFit is a good example. Like I wouldn't tolerate this. I don't want this. So I don't want to support it. And I was thinking women, we, we sometimes do this in general. We, we keep a relationship because it's a mom we see somewhere or a family member, or it's a person in the office or a person that works for us or work, we work for them or it's HR or whatever. And we're just trying to show face and keep the peace. And because we don't want to create that and we want to smooth it over, but that toxicity is so poisonous. And I, I realized that like there, and you said when you don't want to burn the bridge and, and you and I were talking about that, but there, you I've lo- noticed lately, there are bridges that I definitely need to never cross again. And I don't care if they burn down. And at the same time, I'll just build a bridge beside it if I need to get across, but toxicity for women, I think for me personally causes a lot of stress and makes us feel less valued. And it makes us feel less bad. It makes us feel bad about ourselves. But um, my mission in 2021 is to remove negative relationships. And it could be harmful to my children. There might be some consequences or my husband or someone I work with or uh, a, a mom I see somewhere or whomever, right? Or I may not be ever invited to a social gathering because of it. But I will hope that my daughter recognizes that if I wouldn't let that person treat me that way, or I wouldn't work for a bully, or I wouldn't uh, hang around the, the mean the mean people group, then why would I let this person behave this way? So, um, you know, there's that whole thing about delete or unfriend on so it's a social media turn. Um, I'm I'm really trying to do that in my personal life, in my personal in my personal professional whatever it takes because. Um, that toxicity, I think, is worse than anything that we deal with. Well, and 
I think there's a cost to everything and it, positive or negative. And I think often as women, we take on the cost. And like you're ta- saying, toxicity of the cost is usually our time and our energy and our satisfaction and our joy. So it is a, like I'm, we're not talking about I'm going to be mean to you or rude to you, but I just don't need to give time or energy yeah. or participate. Yeah. Like, I'm still going to say hi to you if we're in the, like, waiting for our kids outside. But when you say, do you want to do this thing or do, like, or bring up the, no. Yeah. And I don't need to explain why. I can, like, no is a full sentence. And I don't care what you think about me. And even if I do, I'm going to practice taking a breath and letting it flow on by. (laughs) Yeah, I think we, we can definitely, we can learn a lot from just saying no without justifying and feeling like, were we mean? We could just say, no, it's okay. I don't need to respond to texts or I don't need to. Like, we're always so worried, like, oh, I hope we're like being polite. And I hope, you know, everyone perceives us as this person that's willing to do whatever and support whomever. But um, no, you know, it's it, in a world where, you know, uh, my husband, he has no problem saying no. He just says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to respond. No, I don't want to do go to, I don't want to go to this social gathering. And then, you know, I'm like, well, what if, what if he's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay, that's where I want to get. Yes. And it's, and it isn't disrespectful or rude. No. It is just like, nope. I, I learned that from my partner too. One time when um he had a parent that was coming to visit and we love his parents, but it was something like it was last minute and we had so many things going on. And in my family, I come from a culture of family comes first. You put everyone else first. You show up to 15 baptisms on the weekend, <laughs> even if you have mastitis and the baby's crying and then you take a nap in the other room, like families, like all this stuff. And that's a that's a good value. But at the cost of your own well-being or health, mm, I think that value has gone a little too far. And he did this wild and crazy thing. He told his dad, no. (laughs) And I was like, you can do that. And I was an adult with a baby. And I don't know if I was married or not, probably married, but you're just like, I had no idea you could do that. And he didn't, like you said, he didn't explain it. He didn't give a reason. He just said, dad, we'd love to have you. That weekend doesn't work. No. Mind blown. What? I'm trying to work on it. And I'm always like, what did his parents say? (laughs) Probably nothing. He was like, okay, what about the next one? It's like, great. And that's the other thing too of, it's so interesting. We're concerned. Like, what is it? Like, what difference does it make what they think? I don't know. That's the gremlin. That's the gremlin here. Always wondering. I don't know. Because like, what is like- Oh, that one. You'll be like a superhero. (laughs) But that is, it's like, like when you slow down enough or even notice that voice, it's like, what are they going to think? Well, she's a terrible, like with family. Well, she's a terrible mother or terrible family member. Well, that's not true. I'm not, I just didn't come this time. Or like, she doesn't volunteer enough. Oh my gosh, I have volunteered enough for my entire life. This doesn't give, (laughs) like, what is that thing they're going to say? I don't, like when you think about it, but it does, it's like this, Yeah. It's so toxic um, and we're doing it in like a million directions and we do it to every, we do it with everything in our life. So um, I know I don't have the answer for that one. That one I am definitely still working on day in and day out. 
Well, and that's it. I think that there's these awareness around things and we're a work in progress. And we're always a work in progress because once you figure this out, then there'll be something else. And that's okay. You're not supposed to be perfect and have it all figured out. Whether you're at your age or my age or my child, like you're a work in progress always. Um, yeah. That, that'll that be a good, uh, well, you know, we'll have to check in a year from now and see how that goes. Did you, I mean, have you, so have you started this process? We're a few months into the, into year. Has it been easier yeah. or harder or? Uh, no, I, 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 I made a big milestone a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so that one's a good one. I'm still like, you know, slowly there's like a little residual, but overall that was a good milestone. And um, professionally too, you know, I've had some good milestones too. And, and I've also asked other people, uh, sometimes I ask them like, what happened or how'd that happen? Or uh, what would you do? And uh, I try to hear both sides, you know, like I try to take those that are super compassionate, trying to figure it out and, and don't do that. And then I always take the ones that are just easy to say, no, I'm busy. Like, no, yeah, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Um, I am fortunate that I have both in my life. I have the, the people pleasers and the friends that are like social and pleasing. And even though they don't always want to be around, they kind of please. And then I have ones that are just like, no, I can't be there. So I try to learn from both of them. But this year I've actually, now COVID makes it easy, right? You don't see a lot of people. I anyway. love that. I mean, let's be honest, like, it's not like I'm groundbreaking, making some, you know, milestones here, but COVID makes it easy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm busy. Or we got a social distance or we're not allowed by, by capacity or so uh, it is a good excuse. I don't know in a year from now when our, our lives go back to quote unquote, what that normal looks like. And we're even busier and we're seeing more people. I don't know. That's a good question. We should, I should, I, I'll need to put that on the calendar, check in with myself because it might be harder than. Well, it's like you've picked the perfect time to put the training yeah. wheels on though, right? Like I'm in a practice now when it's a little more simple and I have this great umbrella excuse and reason. Yeah. And then when the training wheels come off, I'll be a little stronger. And I always think of it as energy a little bit. And there are things that I give my time to that, you know, when I get to coach clients, it's a lot of work and time and investment, but I just get so much energy back from it. And when I have a good conversation with someone like you or a good friend or um, some, or I'm learning something, you know, you, you expend so much energy, but you get it back. And then there are those slow leaks that just drain you. <laughs> They're and like exhausting. You're exhausting and you get nothing back. And you're like, why am I doing this? And I've just, I think because I've hit complete rock bottom postpartum and in certain areas of life, I'm imperfectly learning. I don't have unlimited energy. So I have to protect what I have left yeah. after everybody's taken from me that if man, if it's not this relationship that we're in this together or it's something like my volunteer stuff, it has to be something that I'm passionate about. And I'm, you know, it's this great exchange of energy rather than just like, why am I doing this? I don't want to discuss yeah. colors endlessly for 15 hours on the Zoom meeting or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just like, no, no, you're right. Um, that's interesting. You said that about the energy because it is kind of like food, right? It fuels us. So if you eat something bad versus something good, how long? Yes, that's a good point. I'll have to look back at my energy and what's fueling me and what's not and see if I can put more good fuel into it on my day in and day out. 
Yes. And I think that's like there's um, it's so sometimes it's so simple. And that's why I love like people come to me for health coaching and they're like, I will let's talk about working out nutrition. And that's so little of what I actually do. But feeling well in your life, like our pantry has been a hot mess for a month. So yesterday I put on a good podcast for 10 minutes, clean it out. Now it's a pain in the ass every single day. The kids can't find their snacks. My daughter with allergies, where are her snacks? Like all this stuff took 10 minutes to clean out. Do you know how well my day went? I was like, where's the snacks? In the snack aisle. <laughs> like mind blowing, right? Like it's such a simple thing, but it's not. And so, I, and I always love the feeling of um, when you get together with someone and you just kind of leave with like a tight stomach or a tight throat or your jaw yeah. clenched and you're like, wait a minute. I didn't like that very much. My body's telling me something about this exchange. Yeah, uh, like a waste of your time and time is so precious. But you said your daughter has allergies. What kind of allergies? Who knows? Everything. So I think she had, um, she used to projectile vomit when she was breastfeeding and had really bad butt rash and like um, skin rashes and things like that. And I kept saying, something doesn't feel right about this. And the doctor kept saying, kids, you know, kids do this. And I kept saying, something's not quite right. And then finally at past a year, she wasn't crawling yet. And she had really low muscle tone and she wasn't gaining weight. And she finally had enough of an appointment that it was kind of that scary. She didn't gain weight. Yeah. And as a holistic health coach and a, I love food and I love to cook, right? You're like, it's not something's going on. Right. Um, and we went to specialists and did all the things at the U of M and essentially, uh, like not trying to diss doctors or whatever, but essentially we found out, I think she has, she had undiagnosed celiac or a really extreme gluten sensitivity. Jeez. Um, and so we did an elimination diet when the doctor, the specialist was like, eh, just give her more fat. And I was like, no, something else is like, you should, yeah. there's no reason that she should not be gaining weight and doing all this. Like you're not supposed to just have skin rashes. That's not yeah. normal. Right. Um, so I think because of her gluten sensitivity or celiac for so long, now she's also corn, soy, tomatoes, mm -hmm. berries, gluten. There's probably something else in there. It's that um really trigger and flame her up so will that last forever no but now i've been my eyes have been opened to this whole world of food allergies and sensitivities and just how little um the care providers you might have might know about it because our pediatrician it's a really big issue from a study standpoint and you know, an allergy is an autoimmune disorder, right? So you have one autoimmune disorder, it can lead to another autoimmune disorder, it could lead to eczema, psoriasis, which is another autoimmune disorder, then you can have seasonal allergies. And um, I mean, it's why we started Andy Grace, but by no means is there enough information about it and the FDA regulating it if they can. And you know, it's a big issue. And um, I'm sorry to hear that for your daughter. It's definitely tough. But I think you're you're doing the great thing by educating yourself and kind of limiting and trying things. I hope that she's one of the top statistics where she'll outgrow some of these. They do say children tend to outgrow some, but um, you know it's it's a tough one to live with. I think um, I have a lot of empathy knowing what people go through, and mine are my, mild in my household compared to what I think you know moms with young children go through. So. I hope she outgrows it, but 
offline, we should chat and I, you know, we can share ideas and, and, and things like that too, because it's, it's definitely something that needs to be brought to the forefront. Well, and I think, I mean, the, the good news of a very scary, bad experience is now I'm crazy passionate about, like, we went to a really good, um, specialist and they straight up told us like kids under two don't have celiac. Well, that just means they don't have experience in celiac. But, you know, if I didn't know what I knew, I would have just gone, okay. And she would have kept getting sick. And like our allergy formula that we pay two to $300 a month to help her grow and sit like to fill that gap isn't covered by insurance. So I think of another family that can't access like her care is all alternative. And that just pisses me off that I can get her reflux medication covered in 10 minutes without even asking me. And that's what every doctor does is they go, you know what, let's get her some reflux medication. Let's cover up the symptoms. And that just like, what about the kids that their parents can't pay $300 a month for this formula? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how people that struggle or have a fixed income can afford to eat on an allergy specific diet. Um, that's why Andy Grace is struggling in general because we cannot buy at cost a box of pasta for under two fifty. Well, now you put in a wholesale and a pricing. You're looking at like four dollars, like four dollars for six ounces. That where does that go? Or or yeah. milk things like that, like you know almond milk and things like that are so expensive. Um, and you yeah. can like with bulk and things like that, which isn't online. But you have to have the knowledge of can I do I have transportation. Mm-hmm. Do I have the storage in my freezer to like go to Costco and buy a giant bag full so it's less expensive? Do I have the, how do I do it in an Instapot or Crock-Pot? Because I have two jobs and I'm not home yeah. when my kids need dinner. Like yeah. there are real, it just gets me very angry when yeah. I hear about like, we'll cover your medication, but we won't cover what actually heals you and makes you better. Yeah. <gasps> it is a uh, celiac, it, you know, it's so hard to diagnose, but it's a serious, 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 uh, I don't even say allergy cause it's an illness. Like it definitely is something that's pretty serious. And, um, you know, I, I get mad about the fundraising. I'm like, okay, we put all this money into this, but we cannot do testing and research for something that triggers something else that triggers something else, which can cause fatal fatality. So yeah. Anyways, but that's a different well, day. And in women, then it's often, I mean, this is studied, but then it's like, well, it's a mental illness. Well, you know what you need? An antidepressant. That's what yeah. your physical <laughs> symptoms need, an antidepressant. Yeah. Or like, eh, you're just meant to not feel good in your body. Total load of crap. You actually are meant to feel good in your body. Yeah. Podcast yeah. episode two. No, true. That, I could get on that <laughs> about uh, about food and nutrition allergies that's a that's a whole nother topic we'll we'll save that for part two to be respectful of everybody's time and your time but i like to end with a few questions that i ask everyone um and then we'll wrap it up here so my first one for you is what pisses you off um selfish people i really really have an issue um, I have a very high expectation of people. I've learned that, um, you know, there's a give and take and I have a really hard time with, um, those that don't recognize time, energy expenses, gifting, and then they don't reciprocate in, in whatever way. I really have a hard problem with selfish people or non, uh, or 
Yeah. And narcissism is my, it's getting up there to the selfishness. I think they're tied together actually. Mm. Mm. That's a big one. That's a hot button for me. <laughs> I always like watching people's faces as they get a little yeah. like, oh, yeah. what brings you joy? Um, but I mean, besides the obvious, like obviously my children and my husband bring me joy. Yeah. 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 Them. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the obvious, but what really brings me joy is seeing someone successful and seeing them do something they love and seeing them win at it. Regardless if I know them, I don't know them. I helped them. I didn't help them. I could care less. I could care less if I helped them or not get there. But when I see someone do well, I get so proud. I'm so happy for them. And what really makes me, brings me joy is women empowering other women and encouraging them because there's no need for us to be mean to each other. Um, there's a reason genetically and from evolution why sisters, you know, stay together and, you know, tribes and cultures. And that's what makes us strength as a family dynamic genetically they don't be blood related, but, uh, yeah, when I see women support other women and get together, uh, that is a really, that makes me so excited. I love it. And I think that's a, um, cultural and generational shift because before it was, this message of you have to fit into a man's world, so therefore you have to do these things, and only one woman will be at woman will be at the table, so you have to like claw yeah. your way there. Yeah. Versus now, I think of how many people have been generous with their time, and even when you start a business, when you reach out, and most women are like, you know what? Why don't we chat once a month and let's see how I can, you know, help you out or just connect or keep you, you know, in the loop. Or I mean, it just is amazing to see that. I don't yeah. know. I just, it gets, we can all succeed. There's space for all of us. Oh, uh, there's a hundred percent room for everyone. And the most, I'm most proud of people that don't go onto social media to toot their success. I, but toot others, you know, success or, or, or rise up. Um, that's kind of my pet peeve. And also what brings me joy is the social media issue you know, when you're out there encouraging other and like congratulating them, that's fine. But when you're encouraging yourself, I find that you're, you're, you can sometimes be disillusional and you're not really supporting women, other women. Yeah. So you podcast I, part three. Yeah. Don't get me started with that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's part of my, uh, removing toxicity in my life. So, but yeah, I, I really think when people are successful, like you, I'm so, this is so exciting. This is so I'm so honored and humbled that I can be a part of your journey. I mean, that to me, it made my day special. So thank you. Thank you. I think we talked about this a little bit. I mean, a lot of bit, but what's a hard lesson that you're learning or have learned recently? My hardest lesson is not to beat up on myself um, and to take and, and it's okay to take time for yourself. I just started going back to the gym. I'm really struggling with like my health and wellness and weight issue. I know all women are, we are right. But um, I'm really struggling with it. And I would hear comments from friends that would say, oh, must be nice to be able to go to yoga. This is years ago. Must be nice to be always willing to travel. Must be nice. To... And I thought lately, I'm like, you know what? I have a right to do this. Like I'm so yes. my kids. I pay my bills. I go to work. I do all the things like a volunteer. And so, um, I'm really trying to be more mindful of my own time so that I can show up to my children, and my husband every day and not beat myself up.
Because I think mm. if I beat myself up, it's really indirectly beating up my children and my husband and their self-esteem. So I'm really, that's like this month's goal. We'll see. Podcast episode, part four. Yeah. That one, that, and I think there's a real relearning that it is sort of amazing. And I don't know if you've experienced this, that when I truly start with myself and am self-centered and centered on myself, mm-hmm. I am so much more available to my children with love and compassion. I'm so much more available to my partner as who I am yeah. and, and, and my friends and my community. And I'm so much more present. Like I, I always say like, I can Kung Fu Ninja my way through the freaking day when I do those things for me. And they're, I almost said little things, but they're not little. Like I take, I work out without my children. I, that is not a part of mommy and me time. And when I do that, it's like color versus black and white. And so I like that attitude of like, well, how nice. Like, I think that is so hurtful and harmful for women to ever say that to someone because we already struggle with it. So good for you. I feel sad though. I'm like, wow, I feel sad for you. You can't find the time or the the nature of your life doesn't allow you to have that time for yourself. But um, I am really trying to show up for myself every day and just for myself. And I, and I hope that my next mission next month is to really try to cheer on someone else on the sidelines that doesn't know I'm cheering for them. Because as a mom, we're always on the sidelines. We're cheering for our kids, like, good job. If they're athletic, athletic, or they do activities, you're always cheering, right? You're like that cheerleader. So I'm hoping that I can cheer for another mom or another woman with that may not have that cheerleader on their sidelines for them. That's kind of my next goal. So I've got to show up for myself first to get there before I can do it though. I'm not ready yet. Yes. Oh, I love that you said that. And you know, when we say it out loud, then we give other permission to do that. Like instead of, I think there's this dirty joke that's like, ha ha, I had a glass of wine tonight. I was so tired and exhausted from my day that I had to escape with a substance. And it's like, I'm not saying wine is bad. Yeah. But that joke really isn't funny. If no. you are so tired that you can't cope with your life, that you need to check out, th- that's the joke isn't funny. And, and no, we've made not. it a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, we do. We do make it a joke a lot of times. And actually, I'm not having any uh, wine or anything lately. And um, I had some this weekend, but in general. And I, I was like, okay, let's see if I can just do something else, you know? Right. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I just need a glass of wine or whatever. You know, I need to listen, binge on Netflix, go on Facebook, stream on Instagram, watch YouTube and TikToks and, you know, IG Reels or whatever. You, we all do our own little Venom things. Um, yeah, I, I think hopefully I could take care of myself and then I, I want to cheer someone else on. So we'll see. Yeah. And I, and I love too, that you said, I'm starting with me before I can reach out to someone else because yeah, that I'm is the truth yet. too. Yeah. I'm not ready yet. I, I, I would be doing it superficially. I need to be, get myself together and, and cheer myself on first before I can cheer someone else on. So, well, and I think that's always when I, sometimes women aren't willing to do it for themselves, but our kids aren't listening to what they say. They are watching what we do. And if you aren't caring for yourself, they're not hearing what you say. Yeah. Good point. Oh, which is just kind of, it bites a little bit sometimes when you're like, yeah, I have this really good line and we have all the right books, but that's not what they're listening to. Yeah. That could be your podcast number three. There you go. (laughs) 
Uh, last question. When was the last time you were proud of yourself? I'm actually proud today. I typically say no to things like this and I do it because I'm like, oh, I don't have time. Or if I say no, I can get something else done or will this like help my business? So should I do it? And I'm really happy I got to know you. So I'm really proud I did this today. I took the time and I thought I would be stressed. Like, oh my gosh, I'm giving an hour. Like I could be doing this, making dinner, doing this. Um, but I haven't been. So I think you gave me kind of a great escape and, and some time for myself. So that's, I think today, this is what I'm proud of today. Yay. Well, thank you for giving us the gift of your time and conversation and honesty and vulnerability and multiple future podcast episode ideas. If people want to reach out to you or check out Andy Grace, or are you on social? So what are all the things that people, where can they find you? Yeah. So Thoughtful Threads of the Heart, we have our own website, you know, www.thoughtfulthreadsofthe.org, excuse me. Thoughtful Threads of the Heart has its own Facebook. Andy Grace has its own Facebook and uh, IG. And then if you're on LinkedIn, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so those are the best ways to do it. I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, I have to be transparent. There are two Don Holarsics in the world. My sister-in-law, ah! So, so, so much. She lives across the street. We call her, they're the brunettes and we're the blonde family because we have blonde hair and blue eyes and they have brown hair and brown eyes. <laughs> we married brothers. So there's two Don Hilarzics, but if you see a Don Hilarzik with blonde hair and blue eyes, that's me. Um, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on every social media um, and I'm always willing to help. Facebook probably is the easiest or Instagram or LinkedIn, but you know, if you have need help with starting an organization or you have questions or you just need personally, um, some support. I'm, I will do whatever I can to help you. Fabulous. Well, check out people, check out Thoughtful Threads of the Heart. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fierce Joy podcast. So now what? You have to take action. Nothing changes if you don't change something. Take one tiny insight and do something with it today or even better now. Make it easy, obvious, and of course, as enjoyable as possible. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I friggin' love this stuff. You can connect with me on Instagram at Anastasia Galka Health Coach or on my website at AnastasiaGalka.com. If you're feeling stuck or like it's time to make a change, I offer a totally free 30-minute coaching session to get you started. I'd love to hear from you. And hey, if you know someone that this episode would be helpful for, please make sure to share it with a friend and get the word out. Thanks for joining and see you next time.